0: Hi everyone, good evening or good afternoon, or good morning, whatever you will be uh, learning with this and opening your heart with
1: this. I want to start with a, with a strong song to stretch open our hearts. And please, please believe me that I need your harmony. We need each
0: other's harmony. So just set yourselves free with this, uh, with this nigum. Did I die, it. I did it. it. did it. I Aye I did I did did I did I did 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 I did I die, I die I die, I die, Ah It's always great to be together. It's always special and meaningful to be together and to learn together in whatever format we're able to. And these days carry within them tremendous secrets that will help us unlock certain chambers that have been locked for quite some time. But to do that this evening. To do that on this very, very powerful date of the calendar, which will forever be etched in our hearts and souls. Um, on the site of our, our precious friend and family, Ahava Emunah, makes, makes the whole experience of learning and of connecting, that being together, it takes it to a completely different place, a different world. And, I first of all just want, in the name of everyone that's with us right now, to just give a big virtual hug to, to David, to the kids, to, to all the siblings, to all Mishpachad Grogan, to everyone. To everyone, this is a, uh, it's a family business, as we say, and we got a lot more to do. And I, as well as many others, continue to be, to get fueled
1: by the very, very, very meaningful, positive, and deep, deep, deep direction that and Muna left us
0: in this world to do all the work that we need to do and to really change the face of, of our inner realities, which will lead to the rest of that collective reality of the world. And it's very, very, it's a big legacy, like, we, like we've said the last two years. This is a very, very big legacy to tap into. And one that demands a certain tremendous, large amount of responsibility and ownership. And it's not Stam that a name like she chose and a site like this week fall out. This is a very, very big task. One that I believe that if we remember how much she believed in us, it'll help us, it'll help us get through. And that's what I wanted to wanted to learn with you a little bit tonight. And that's a very big one. It's a a, a theme I, <clears throat> I had the privilege of speaking about with her, and I'm sure many of you did much more than me. Believing in people, but specifically to believe in Amisa. Because I need to believe. I'm personally speaking. I really need to believe in Am I need to. I also need to understand what that means. Why it's so important, and the million-dollar question of how. How does one get themselves to believe in Am These are not givens. It's not like, well, I should. I should know this. I should know this. Right? I was born with this uh, understanding, and now I just don't know it. It's not exactly how it works. So. There's a very famous story that they say in Chabad, which was uh, from one of the letters of the Friedrich Rebbe, where the, he describes that there was once a Fabringen where the Mittler Rebbe, there's the second Lubavitcher Rebbe, the son of, of the Balatanya, he was at this Fabringen. they were speaking about believing in Am Yisrael, loving Am Yisrael. And while they were Fabrengening, Achasid took a, a chaim in his hand, and he said, Hashem should bless me, that I should have real ahava shema I should have real love of God. And then a few seconds later, or maybe it was a few minutes later, the mitzle took a cup in his hand and he said, God should bless me with really believing and loving Jews. So the Hasidim that were present at this Favrengan, they weren't sure, this is before the mitzle Rebbe was Rebbe, um, so they weren't sure at this, at this moment, like, wait, wait a second, what's higher? Is loving God a much higher place to get to than loving Amrishu? Or is loving Amrishu greater than the midst of loving God? So they took their question to the Rebbe, to the Alter Rebbe, who was alive at this time, and they were confused. They didn't know what the answer was. And, you know, to come to a Rebbe, you have to really be prepared. There are Many, many stories which describe the hachana of a chassir coming to see his Rebbe. Not a simple thing. You don't just show up to your Rebbe. You dive in over what you're going to say. You cry over it. You contemplate it. You introspect it. You really sharpen the question. And you pray that you're a vessel to hear what the tzaddik is going to say. So they prepared themselves. And the second that they were able to, they asked the Alter Rebbe the following thing. They said, Ava Hashem and Avas Yisrael, they're, they're two different mitzvahs. And they both have to do with love and with being sensitive. But their union is different, right? So which one, Rabbi? please tell us, which one is a more exalted service? What's a higher thing, to love God or to love Amisrael? And I want you to listen to the following reply, especially a phrase that he said. You know, the, the Alter Rebbe, when he would answer, he would answer very short answers. And he would say it with some kind of a niggan So I don't know what the niggan is, but let's just make up one right now. So the altar Rebbe says that loving Hashem and loving Amisel, they're both engraved as one in his neshama. The ruach and the nefesh of everyone in Amisel, it's all engraved as one. But the thing is, once we heard a pasuk that said, "Ahafti etchem, amar I loved you," said God, referring to all of us. Ba'al Teresas says that means that Ahavat Yisrael is greater. Why? She ma she that the greatest level in this world is to love that which your beloved loves. ma <speaking> ohev. <in Hebrew> to love that which your beloved loves. And if our beloved loves Am Yisrael, then loving what Hashem loves is the greatest thing in the world. In relationships, we all know, or we ought to know, or we forget, or we should, we should continue to be uh, uh, reminded of this point, is that we know that when, when we know what our spouse loves, and we see that whatever that is, it could be anything. It could be a book. It could be a, a line of, of clothing. It could be a certain tourist attraction. It could be a joke. It doesn't matter what it is. But when we know of something that our beloved loves and we're reminded of it somewhere in the world, it it does something to us. And we start to love it as well. And even if we don't yet, we know that you could dive into Hashem, please God, I want to love what she loves. I I want to love what he loves. I'm going to focus my love on what they love. I saw a very crazy midrash recently where even if it's like a second marriage, and there's children from a previous marriage by one of the spouses, it's it's one of the deepest and hardest of avodas to actually love the children of your spouse. Not your own biological children, but the children of your spouse, because you know your spouse loves them. So to be able to love the children of your spouse that aren't your own is the highest thing that can be done in a relationship like that. So we see over here that it's very... The answer the Alter Rebbe gave is that you have to love that which your beloved loves. Is such a beautiful way of approaching Avat Yisrael. It's not just that I have to feel love because I should love them. But it's that if
1: I'm loving God, I'm loving Hashem. But I don't love what He loves. Do I really understand what it means to even love Hashem?
0: When we pause and we think of life like that, it definitely it definitely shapes the way we approach this very very special avoda of believing in Am Yisrael. In order to love, I have to believe in what they are and who they are. I have to I have to learn what the shorash of their neshama is, and even if it's very hard, remember these is, all these teachings are much more easier said than done and they're very very more you know lemaisen it's more of a practical thing that has to be taken you know immediately immediately then done and practiced uh, and 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 practice as opposed to speaking about it and i want to i want to give a few examples of that so i would i think it's pretty safe to say that the greatest example that we have of someone that loved what god loved Almost at the risk of his own life, is Moshe Rabbeinu. And we're gonna re- just briefly look at something from the Lubavitcher Rebbe, uh, Marty. This is definitely had you in mind a lot of these. Um, I want I want you to show show you something. Learn with you something from the one of the seekers of the Lubavitcher Rebbe, the last Rebbe. So let's learn. Let's learn for a few minutes inside. <laughs> Right after Amisrael sinned with the sin of the golden calf, Moshe Rabbeinu asks Hashem to please forgive Amisrael for this very, very heavy transgression. And the way he speaks is with such, like, tokef over here means with a lot of strength and a lot of conviction in his words. And now, if you'll you'll bear their sin, if you'll, we're, we're asking of you, and almost demanding of you, God, I'm asking, remove their sin from upon them. And if not, the famous words, wipe me out from the Sefer which you wrote, meaning take me out of your Torah. In other words, if you're not going to believe, like Moshe Rabbeinu is saying, my relationship to you is one that if you don't forgive Am Yisrael and you're going to wipe them out, how can I love what you love anymore in the world? What am I going to be left? How can I love you? How can I honor you? So Moshe Rabbeinu was basically doing exactly what we said. How can I love what you love? How can I believe in what you believe in? If there's no one there to believe in, so it continues. Third line, Leman Yehudim vaafilu Leman Oseh HaEgel for the sake of Yidden, the Jewish people, and even for the sake of those that did the golden calf. Muhan Ayam Moshe Rabbeinu Levater afilu ala Maala HaGvua Biyater Sheyeshbo Abali Debitui VeKeshesh Leimatona. Moshe Rabbeinu was willing to risk it all to give it all up. And he said, you know, basically the, the Rebbe is telling us over here that we, we don't really understand how powerful those words were. Look at the next paragraph. But Moshe Rabbeinu, the Torah is not just letting us know about something that happened to Moshe Rabbeinu. When Moshe Rabbeinu did this to God and he said to God, I'll have no one to, to love. I can't love what you love and what you believe in if you wipe them out. Moshe Rabbeinu gave you and I a tool. that whenever we live our lives in accordance to what we just said, in Moshe Rabbeinu, we have to know very deep, in a very deep and clear manner. It's not enough that I know I love Amisel. I have to be willing to, so to speak, risk, like give of myself in levels that I normally wouldn't, that I'll, that each Jew should know there's someone that's going to manage, take one for the team, take one for me. That, I think the Rebbe was saying here something, the way the Rebbe definitely, definitely lived and continues to, to inspire us to live, is that what Moshe Rabbeinu did and what he teaches by doing what he did was that the, the holiest thing in the world you could do, even though it may sound like holy chutzpah, is to always try to find the good in people just like Moshe Rabbeinu tried to find the good in Amisel by the mere fact that this is what God loves. Why? Because Hashem said, and I trust God's love. I trust what God chooses to love. Yet, the other day I was speaking, uh, I, I was in a, a, a certain panel with a number of speakers and one of the other speakers that was on the panel was questionable in a certain person's eyes. It doesn't matter much, it doesn't matter who it is, it's just, it's just, it's just a recent example. And someone asked me, how, you know, how could it be that, that you felt so comfortable with this person? I know your styles are very different. And I said to them, you know, it's true. It, our styles are very different. But once I saw how one of my rabbis loves this person and believes in this person, I'm okay. I'm good. I, I, I trust the process. I mean, a person has to really know and trust their, you know, find their own world and find their process and trust it and always fine tune and refine and refine and fine tune. But I found, uh, you know, this teaching to be very important, that I have to trust what Hashem loves. I, I, I must go to a place of saying, if Hashem said I love Am Yisrael, that's enough for me to act like, my, if that was enough for Moshe Rabinu to then say, if you're not going to forgive these people you love, wipe me out then maybe it's got to be good enough for me to make a few adjustments in my life, just a few, and see what happens with my vision of how I look at the world and how I look at Hashem. Now I want to share something that I'm sure is clear to all of you. And I'm sure you experienced it with the and Muna, especially in the last few years. There were moments, there were discussions, there were, there were, there were conversations very intense conversations where you, were, you knew that you were in the presence of someone that's looking at the world with much more refined godly eyes than the way a person in this world is used to looking at the world. There's one specific conversation that I'll never forget. Walking out of Lang's home and David and Ava and Muna were walking me to my car and there was a, there was talk about looking at the world with mashiach eyes that has never ever escaped me. Now I knew at that moment that the, every person has a choice when they when they're struck with tragedy, how to use you know how to how to look at the world, how to look at yourself, how to look at God, and we're forced into situations that no one wishes upon anyone. I saw. Uh, very clearly what I was feeling inside. And I felt like I was in the presence of someone uh, that's looking at the world uh, in a completely different way, that's able to make the Ikar Ikar and make the Tafel Tafel. I saw a Midrash recently that said that one of the reasons why Yerushalayim was destroyed is because we we started making the Ikar Tafel and the Tafel Ikar, meaning we started taking things that were important, making them secondary, and uh, at the same time taking things that are secondary and making them important. And what happens, unfortunately, is that as a result, well, the tragedy is what's unfortunate. But the order in, of priorities in life that emanates from a tragedy, it's not always like this. But when you see it happen, it's very much on you. It really influences you. It really has a, what we call a Rishimu. It has an impression on you. And so while I'm not claiming, and none of us are saying uh, there was a level of sainthood, um, uh, uh, although <laughs> she'd have my <laughs> she'd have my vote for that. But uh, that's not the point either. The point is,
1: we all know we were, we were we experienced being with someone that went to that place of looking at
0: God's world and what God's love, even in a state of such pain.
1: But looking at what God loves and choosing how to react and how to live. So we,
0: we're going to continue with uh, uh, with answering the question, so how do I do that? When I'm, God forbid, not not stricken with, an immediate physical tragedy um, and physical ailment. How do I do that? How do I work on looking at the world with, through the question of Hashem, let me love what you love? Where is it? Let's try to answer the question of how. And I want to offer two different answers one from the Altar Rebbe and one from Rebbe Nachman of Breslov. It's two practical etzot. And It's two different worlds. It's coming from the same world of the Baal Shem Tov, of course, but it's two different approaches. But I think that these are very practical and ma'asen approaches that we can use immediately right now. So the first one I want us to see inside is a very famous teaching from the 32nd chapter of the Tanya, Perik Lev. And the Altered Ebi is going to show us here a little bit of a short, it's not a shortcut exactly, but it's kind of like how you beat the system, the system of the mind, the mind that's eternally judging and throwing a lot, loads of information our way that confuses us from what's ikar. So everyone knows that the 32nd chapter in Tanya is like a pivotal point throughout that sefer, and we, we can learn out from that parak. The, the whole world of real Ahavat Yisrael. So the Rebbe says like, the says like this. By, by doing what we've been speaking about in previous chapters, which is what? Gufon that physical pleasure does not fill the role of pleasure in our lives. On the contrary, physical pleasure, I actually continuously work on a place of realizing that this is bichlal, not where I want to be, physical pleasure. And if, if physical pleasure is what makes me happy in this world, I, the altar Rebbe says, listen, let's, let's stop for a second. This is not really what we want. But that what rak simchatot simchat nefesh levana." But my Simcha is the Simcha of my soul. Where is my soul receiving pleasure? Harei zod derech yeshara vekala lavol ki kiyon mitzvat veavtelerecha <inaudible> kamocha. Chol nefesh misrael. V'migadol v'ad katam. Baal Tereb is saying something that's bichora, so simple. gets so, so deep. It says like this. This way of making my Simcha of the nefesh, of the soul, the ikar, this is a direct and easy way to come to fulfill the mitzvah of loving Yiddin. Anyone, as great as they are or as small as they are, think this is the way. Amazing. Ma'akkesher. I'm working on my own simcha. I'm trying to deviate away from, from a world where I'm receiving happiness from physical pleasures. What does this have to do with Vav Kamoha? Maybe I would think Living a life like that would help me with feeling holy or, uh, I don't know, I don't know exactly, but why chayim. They think something so beautiful? When my body becomes very much, here he says, like really disgusted by myself, but even let's say it becomes secondary. And I have no idea how deep my soul is, but I know that it's rooted in the source of life. When we say that we're all one, what are we referring to? When we look at ourselves as bodies, as physical entities, and I say we're all one, it's much, much harder for me
1: to feel the fact that we all have one father. But when the way I look at myself is through my soul, which will that will lead me to imagine and picture
0: and envision others in more of a soul manner. Then I see that it's not so hard to understand and relate to people as, my, as mishpacha. It'll be much, much more easier for me to believe in them because I'm believing in, in Hashem. It's just that the bodies are separate. Well, one time we learned that the Kotzke Rebbe said that it's a very strange thing. It's a very strange thing. With this concept of like really loving each other or, or accepting each other, we are okay with the fact that we all look different. That doesn't shock us. But the fact that you could think different than me, the fact that you could believe in something differently than me, I can't fathom that. I, yeah, that just can't be. It's Because we're just, we're, the, the, way we, the way we understand the world of, of, of chibur, of connection, where, it, where it's really at, with this Mashiach kind of eyesight, I have to get past a very thick layer of a klipa, of a division between us. Even right now, as I'm speaking, thinking about it. How many of you, um, did you notice the spotlight on my forehead uh, while we're talking, while I'm talking, or the color of my kippah today, or any of the books that are behind me, or a guitar that's behind me, whatever it is. Things that are physical, but that take away our eyesight and our direction, our focus on what really matters,
1: right?
0: Uh, I'm thinking the same exact thing about myself. If I'm really teaching Torah, then all that matters right now is that I'm davening while I'm speaking to mechavent to the ikar to give over what I'm trying to say. The place that we could share, the place where we could get closer to each other, is when the ikar of life is the way that I live my life, and the ikar of life is not through physical pleasure. And we know that we have no idea besides probably just the family. How much of I'm not truly suffered physically. But how much the Ikar of what it means to be alive was growing in manners that I don't want to speak on behalf of anybody else, but that I definitely never saw before in my life. Living the Ikar. And the Ikar is that we're souls. Why Hashem made us come down through physical forms we'll, I don't know if we'll ever crack that code, like why exactly that matter? Such an easy way to divide and judge, but to stay focused on what matters is that we have a direct access to this place called really loving each other, when the way I conduct my own life is that my body is not the
1: ikar, it's tafel, it's secondary.
0: So therefore the Rebbe. In, in, in a way that I feel like uh, in Chabad they just make it so clear. He, he ends off by saying that those that really make their goof ikar, sorry, yeah, their goof ikar and their nefesh, their soul tafel, they can't really love, ha- they can't really, ha- can't really have real love with someone like that. It's just, it's just love that's dependent on each other, but it's not real love. Because there's some, a thick layer that gets in the way of things. So that's the first approach I wanted us to see. And that's a very big one. So maybe like a Kabbalah we could have right now, the mindset is that the next thing in the day that we think will give us pleasure, if it's something that's physical, let's see if we could substitute it at that moment with something spiritual and daven over that moment of saying, Nishan, I want this to satiate my soul. I want this to bring the thing in my heart and soul that makes me feel full. Now, it's tricky because it's the nine days. So if you're in pain over the fact that you can't really fill yourself with something spiritual uh, to make you happy, like good music, that's actually a good thing in in a weird way. But each person can play this out on whatever level they need to. That's Aleph. The second answer to the question how is one of the most famous teachings of Rabbi Nachman of Bresthaf. Which I'm sure you've all seen before, but it's always good to go over, especially on this powerful Yorzite, and especially that we are Erev Tishab. Rabbi Nachman's uh, incredible two, teaching 282 in the Kutay is a teaching that the Rabbi, the Rabbi Nachman said to live with every single day, to walk with every single day of our lives. The Torah called Azamra. Da. כי צריך et את כל אדם Okay, there's no chidosh here. The Pirkei Elbos tells me this. All, any of the avenues of moral ethics that I went from the Torah is telling me this. So You have to judge everyone favorably, but here's where it starts to get very interesting. And even someone who's a complete Russia, who's completely evil, even someone even, even someone few minutes even someone who is a complete rasha we have to look even into a rasha to find a little bit of good in that person Why? how? in the rasha in little bit of good that you're looking in the uh, uh, finding a nekudat tova by a rasha, and just focusing on the nekudat tova in that Russia, you're not in denial. You're not saying, this guy's a tzaddik. You're saying, but I'm choosing to find one good point about them and only looking at that. And by looking for that little bit of good and judging that person favorably, then you're able to elevate that person for real to be to a place of favor. And you can actually return a person. You can have a person return to tshuva. What did Rabbi Nachman Abrasov tell us? I'm going to try to illustrate this. Let's say that Okay, I'm going to look at this, I'm going to draw a triangle, okay? And this triangle represents a person, let's see. okay? I got a triangle in front of me. This is the whole thing of a person. And when I think of this person, I look at who they are, and it's empty of any good deeds. I see this, this person is so shallow, they're only about themselves. I cannot find any good nikudah of them in my life, but in their life. Rabbi Nachman says, there's got to be one thing you can say about the person, like you, every person has one good nikuda about them. You just have to really work hard on finding it. So have a guts, go find it. Don't be threatened that you're going to be taken under their spell now and they'll they'll completely uh, they'll completely brainwash. It's not about them. You're not you're not talking to them. But let's say now you find one good nikuda, like what's one good
1: thing we could find by someone that we despise. Uh, I'm sure that once in their life, there was a moment that they did see someone pour on the street and they gave them a nickel or
0: ten agurot. Okay. So that's a nekudatova. You see where I put that? That's one nekudatova. Now look what happens to our vision, to our field of vision. And that's basically what I put in front of me and nothing else. If this is what I see when I look at a person, just this nekudah tova, more and more and more. Rabbi Nachman says the person, this person, it's not a tzaddik, but they, they see that a person's looking at them with an ayin tov. Maybe they never had anyone look at them with an ayin tov. But the fact that there's a person that chose to focus on one good nikudah by someone else, they start looking at themselves like the way that you've just looked at them. And they start saying to themselves, you know, if this person looked at me like this, maybe there are other nekudot tovot as well. I don't know. Maybe it's worth a shot. Maybe it's worth a shot. But I actually want to tie this second explanation of Rabbi Nachman that that we just learned to the first one. It's probably much, much easier to find and focus on the nekudat tova of looking at another person like
1: that, when I've done the work in me of ikar and tafel, of what's important and what's not important. Meaning, I'm probably,
0: it'll probably be easier for me to live a life where I look at people that seem so gone and so just off if I myself have done that to myself. And that's what Rabbi continues mm-hmm. this teaching. He says, Don't think that you could do that by someone else unless you've done it to yourself. And we're the, like we always say, we're the greatest self persecutionists in the world. There's no one greater than ourselves to persecute, than, than anyone else to persecute ourselves. But for the sake of our dear friend Ava and Muna, and in her merit, may we just rid ourselves of that horrible, horrible, horrible. Have it. And invite this teaching of Rabbi Nachman into our own souls. That that one less bite of a burger or that one less show that we watch or that one less scroll or that one less whatever that is of something that has to do with this world and that one extra second of developing a relationship with our soul or identifying with my soul Just that one extra play second can allow me to also do that to someone else. And when we start to build connect the dots and build chains like that and looking at people like this, then
1: we're able to love what God really loves. And we like we know this in our hearts and souls
0: that when we're privileged to love that which our beloved loves,
1: there's no greater sense of oneness in the world so the precious soul that we are not just commemorating tonight it's every day but
0: tonight specifically may the gates and access to this very crucial and holy work of believing in Am Yisrael feel more accessible and the gates that open we should walk through them and take advantage of them and please God we will greet and have our third base in a world with a collective reality where we wouldn't choose to live any other way than the gates we walked into tonight. Teheni shmatat Surah tzura